This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. This is The Bonfire on the Blaze Radio Network. Hey, I'm so glad you could join us. Honestly, truthfully, sincerely. Because once you talk to yourself long enough, you get bored. You start to get a lot of stupid answers. And so you look for other people to bounce your ideas off of, to talk to. I'm not a big talker, which is ironic that I have a podcast, but that's because I have a week to sort of wrap my mind around what I want to talk about and how quickly I want to do it. Now, this isn't a three-hour show. It's about 30 to 45 minutes, and I always shoot for that kind of window. I believe that is a, a moderate you know, length of a radio show. It's not too long. It's not too short. Hopefully, it's interesting enough, and a variety of topics this week be some good stuff because I was able to watch a great movie again the other day and I wanted to share my thoughts on it because it's kind of rare in today's society today's world to see some of these uh, characteristics in the movie the movie I am talking about is none other than 2008's Taken yes Taken with Liam Neeson Uh, it only got a 58% on Rotten Tomatoes which is I mean I thought it was about maybe 75%. Fresh, I mean. So I wouldn't give it at 58. It's certainly not 100. It's not the best movie I've ever seen. But I would give it higher than a 58%. You know, it's not just barely fresh enough. No, I'd say about 75. Anywho. I love that movie because when it came out, I watched it in theaters and thought, wow, it was good action. It's only an hour and a half long. It's a, it's a good length for a movie because there are movies... You know all the blockbusters, they tend to do two and a half hours, 2.45, and that's a while, because you gotta, you got to really gauge my interest for a long period of time. So that means you got to keep switching the scenes, the topics, the dialogue, the action versus the emotion, whatever. You have to balance that all out, and it's much more difficult when you go past 90 minutes. This movie, though. Overall, I liked it. It was a good mixture between the emotion and the action. And, of course, we all love the action because you get to see Liam Neeson just go around Europe kicking ass. That is one of the main characteristics why I like the movie so much. Here you have a competent father. How many movies do you see, or TV shows, any of that, do you see where there's a competent father? Someone who knows, hey, I'm in charge. I, I'm, I'm in control. I got this. I'm good and I know it. I'm not stupid. And whenever he does fail at something, he tries again and ultimately still succeeds. I like the attitude. I like his preparedness. I'm not so much of a prepper like that where he is Mr. Attention to Detail. You know, me, not so much. I'm a little more laid back. I prefer that because it's less stress on me. I don't like to plan out loads of details. I can notice details. 
but I certainly don't, you know, instigate and give the details myself. I had a friend who decided to basically send me an itinerary of of a trip. I thought, whoa, this is a lot of information. I would never do this. I can't. I I would frustrate myself and stress myself out, and I'm I'd be thinking. Andrew, you are supposed to be planning for a vacation, and you're stressed about it right now. That is completely backwards. A vacation is meant to get away and de-stress. So, of course, I will plan out the airlines, rent cars, hotels. Those are the givens. When it comes to food at night, I'm like, well, whatever. We'll figure it out. Hell, sometimes I'll get a car and just drive and think, all right, well, I'll find a hotel along the road. We'll get there. I have a phone. I have a GPS. We can get to where we're going. We don't need to reserve a hotel months in advance. Anywho. Random little tangent there. <laughs> the movie taken. A competent father. Liam Neeson. Mr. Attention to Detail. Knows exactly what's going on. Tells both his wife and his daughter, Look, I know the world. It was my job. I'm not stupid. I'm not trying to ruin my daughter's fun. I'm trying to reconnect with her, for God's sake. Why would I try to irritate her? I'm not trying to. I want her protected. She is my baby, and I'm going to do everything I can in my power. He's absolutely right. That's the way you sh- it should be. The father shouldn't be afraid to speak up and say, no, I think this is a terrible idea. Why the hell would I want to send a 17-year-old and a 19-year-old over to Europe by themselves? And in the movie, I think they could have added a particular line to really hit this point home. The daughter says, well, uh, Mom says your job made you paranoid. Now he responds, Liam Neeson, no, my job didn't make me paranoid. It made me aware. Okay, that's good. But, uh, you know, give a little little more oomph to that. He could have said, look, being paranoid. Excuse me. That was weird. <clears throat> there it is. Being paranoid would mean I would never leave my house, sweetie. I do. I get out. I'm fine. I'm not scared. That's what being paranoid is. Paranoid as being the agoraphobic, you know, hypochondriac freak. That's what being paranoid is. Worried that the worst case scenario is going to happen all the time. And that it does. You know. That's a, para- that's a paranoid freak. Liam Neeson in this movie, no. His character is not paranoid. He's just very aware. He knows, honey, if you were to take, say, a trip to Texas with your friend, okay, that's a little easier. For you to go out of the country, at least it was Europe. Could have been worse. Could have been Africa. Could have been Asia. Hell, could have been South America. There's some nasty places all over the world, for sure. Europe, I would say, is the second most stable continent in the world after America, uh, North America. So, yeah, for the dad to say, ooh, send my daughter to Paris for the entire summer, just her and her friend, who's a 19-year-old girl, both attractive girls. And he knows that. He knows, oh, I have a beautiful daughter. Of course I'm worried about problems. And the mom goes, well, she's never going to experience the world unless she goes out into it. Okay. I, it's just refreshing to see a, I'm not going to lie, a, a smart dad and a stupid mom, which she absolutely was. Because in today's world, you see a stupid dad and a brilliant mom. You know, a mom who has a, has a pair, essentially. That's what she has. She has the pair. The dad doesn't. I hate that. And right now, off the top of my head, in the uh, TV show Stranger Things, which I've talked about here before, the dad of... Uh, Two of the main characters, the girl and the boy who likes Eleven. I don't know their names. I don't know why. I just don't. Anyway, that dad, really the only father figure in the show, he's, he's, just, he's complacent. 
they're sitting around the dinner table, and he's like, hmm, what? I'm reading the paper. What? What's going on? I don't know. Certainly portrayed as a stupid person. A, su- a dad who just goes to work, plugs in, or uh, checks in, checks out, comes home, eats his dinner, reads the paper, and he's very aloof. I don't like that either. Okay? Let's get a little more movies and TV shows where the father is not a freaking idiot. Okay? Uh, you don't have to make the mom stupid. You don't need to make anybody stupid. I mean, in the parent. Parent unit. Just quit making the dad a stupid one. So here you go. Movie taken. Finally got to see a father say, Honey, I'm worried about it. That's my concern. So uh, I'm not comfortable with this. But okay, I'll let you go. Then when he calls and he hears uh, hears uh, stuff happening, <laughs> he goes, All right. Time to kick some ass. And he goes over and does exactly that. A responsible father who finds his daughter. Is that the most realistic way to get your daughter back? No. Chances are you're going to die. And you're just going to add to all the problems. But it makes for a great movie. A movie where the dad, who is a badass, has his daughter taken and says, No, no, no. I'm not going to stand for that. And then puts everybody in their place. Takes her back home happily ever after. Or at least until Taken 2 and 3. I saw the second one, not that good. Never saw the third, didn't care anymore. So the first movie, still the best. Something else that I wanted to bring up was, yeah, the dad was right about Europe. It's Yes, it's a more or less stable country, but there are still bad apples everywhere. I, I would still be worried about my daughters here in America. I'd be like, well, if you have certain preconditions and I know exactly where you are, then I would feel better. That's called being a responsible parent, for God's sake. If you're like, oh, sure, go off to Europe, I don't care, huh? No, you need to be like, well, I want to know where you are. It's not the end of the world for you to call me every night, okay? Shut up. (laughs) Deal with it. You're going to call me. If you want me to sign this piece of paper and send you over there on my dime, then yeah, you're going to do what I tell you. You're still 17 years old. So for the dad to say, uh, the world is a dangerous place. That's just a fact. And then it turns out to be true. He didn't rub anybody's faces in it. He just brought the daughter home and said, all right, well, let's just, hopefully we never go through that again. (laughs) So, yeah, Europe can be a pretty filthy place. That's the danger I'm worried about um, for girls in general traveling by themselves. And this does apply to dudes by themselves. I would not personally travel in Europe by myself. I have traveled in America by myself, but I feel a little more comfortable here because it is my country, and I know everybody speaks English. I know how things work. It's a, it is a different culture over in Europe. So when you get out of the country, I'm not traveling by myself. That's just that's needless. It's, I think, stupid. you got to have someone there to have your back. You want to be there to enjoy the experience with that person, too, but you're kind of there to help one another. Say, all right, well, I'm keeping an eye out. I want to make sure nobody tries to pickpocket us. I'm not saying you're paranoid. Everybody's going to try to murder you or sell you into a sex industry. Just someone might pick your pocket. So when you have a buddy with you, you'd say, okay, hey, man, remember, uh, keep your hands in your pockets as we're going through the train here. You never know. Someone might try to just rip the backpack off you and run off with it. Stuff like that still happens, okay? So the dad was just saying, look, two girls, both very immature because you're still teenagers, Traveling in Europe without me there, of course I'm not comfortable. So I liked how the dad was competent. He was smart. He kicked ass. He got the the job done. And he didn't rub it in anybody's face when he brought the daughter home. He just said, all right, there we go. My actions spoke for themselves. And everybody knew he was right. Like, uh, yeah. Ooh, Liam, you were right about that one. So there you go. Taken. Is Bonfire recommended for a strong male authority figure uh, taking control and getting the issue resolved? 
I don't necessarily control, or control, condone, the extreme measures he sometimes took with some of these people. But you can totally understand, as a parent, I'm sure, that all these guys that were involved in the industry, you'd want to cut their heads off, too. You'd want to empty a clip into their chest. You would want to punch in the throat every single one, throw them overboard, break their necks. Of course. Of course. I understand. You're only human. You're only human if someone steals your daughter and you just want to say, no, I am not putting up with that. You are going to pay. <laughs> so the line, I will find you and I will kill you. Yes. Don't underestimate a good parent. <laughs> Oh, man, I can look forward to the day that I have daughters, and the second a boy comes to my front door saying, hey, is uh, is your daughter home? I'm going to say, I don't know. Why don't you uh, come in for a minute and let me talk to you? <laughs> oh, and make his life a living hell for a little bit, just to see if he can kind of, you know, stand up for himself. Kind of play a little ball, you know? That's what I'd like to see. I'd like to see someone, if I give it, I want them to be able to take it and then give it right back. I'd say, okay, I respect you. I respect you now. So there you have it. Coming up next, uh, what do I got? I have the first fan letter for the bonfire. Going to read that. Coming up. This is the bonfire on the Blaze Radio Network on demand. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's. I mean, it's not going to sell your home. I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. This is the Bonfire on Demand. Hosted by Andrew Herzog. On the Blaze Radio Network. Particular individual decide to reach out to Bonfire on Facebook. And I want to read what he has to say because I enjoyed it. I thought it was funny and I liked his inquisitiveness. From a Mr. Jeff Valkenberg. Hey, Andrew, I had to send you this. Like you, I've always thought Hollywood is not being original. I just saw a movie trailer for The Magnificent Seven. I know you're. 20 plus years younger than me, but what is going on with rehashing old classics? In the political movies, I know you hate politics on the bonfire. Snowden, who will watch that? A fan of the bonfire podcast. Jeff, a fellow skinny guy. I believe he says Canna, Canastota? Canasta. Canastota, New York. Excuse me if I butchered that name. Well, Jeff, thank you. Thank you for reaching out. Seriously. Honestly. Because... There are times I wonder, hmm, who is listening? Who out there in the world is listening? I do see the numbers, and I think, okay, I guess people are. But I'm curious. Who is listening? Who are you? And what do you enjoy? Why are you listening to the bonfire? I'm assuming, for some of you at least, that you're listening because you know, hey, we can't avoid politics. As polarizing as it is, you know it's just going to rip people apart. That is a fight to have, and there's a time and a place for it, okay? We can take a deep breath and say, no, not, not, not here. When I go to the Bonfire website, Facebook, Twitter, or the podcast, I can rest assured I'm not going to find something that's going to try to pull people apart. I may comment on people like Cam Newton and say, yeah, I think he's an idiot. 
but that's not meant to have a, a Cam Newton camp and an anti-Cam Newton camp, and let's all fight about it. No, it's just I'm giving my opinion saying, dude, I think you got a problem. I'm just sharing my thoughts, and I can give credit where credit is due. I think he's, yeah, he's a good football player. I'm not looking to tear people apart. I'm looking for ways that we can come together. And my example is always, always something like George Clooney. If I could get him on the podcast, I'd say, George, I disagree with you on many things. But I asked you here because I just want to talk about Ocean's Eleven. That was a great movie. I want to talk about The Monuments Men. Thank you for starring in that movie and helping produce it. Uh, Critics may not have liked it, but I did. So thank you for that. Also, Leatherheads, I thought you were great in that movie. How's Renee Zellweger? Blah, 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 blah. That would... Not only make him feel good, thinking, oh, hey, he's talking about me and my movies and my successes and my initiatives. Thank you. And thank you for having me on. But I'd want to have a good time with him. I'd say, my God, you are still a human being. You're an American. I want to talk to you about your work. These movies that make me laugh or have good messages. And I want to try to find some way that we can come together. Because Lord knows we can find plenty of ways to piss each other off and tear one another apart. And say, well, you're in that camp. Well, I'm over here. Well, you're a jackass. And, oh, jeez. It just keeps going around and around. So, no more. No more. Not on Bonfire. On Bonfire, you will find, (laughs) not sunshine and lollipops, but entertainment, culture, things that make you think, make you laugh, hopefully. Hopefully not at me, not at my expense. But Jeff, yes, he says he's a fellow skinny guy. And I signed it after I wrote my message saying, Andrew. Mr. Metabolism, if there was a phrase. My metabolism, Lord, I started drinking, once again, my smoothies, these little smoothie things that I make, and I don't do them every day because I get really sick of them very quickly. It has about 1,800 calories. That, for me, is fantabulous. I will have my breakfast, which is at least 700 calories in the mornings. I'm counting them because I'm trying to push 3,000 a day. I want to see if I can even do that. And that is what my body needs because I burn 1,800 a day if I sat around. And I usually actually only drink this smoothie after a workout, which those are rare because of my limited time. But when I get a breakfast in and a nice solid lunch, which I would say averages about 800 calories, then I'm like, all right, I'm already at 1,500. Let me add... 1,800 to that. Okay. Very nice. Broken the 3,000 plane. That will sit right in my gut. I try not to drink it right before bed because I won't be able to sleep for a while. But that is how I kind of like to end the day. I'll end it with one of those smoothies. Give myself a few hours to sit through that because <laughs> it's all this liquid and it just sits right in your gut. All right. But, you know, that is what a, a skinny guy like me is trying to do. He's trying to pack on the calories. So, Jeff... I think can identify. He knows what it's like to have a super metabolism. Now, there are other people out there who are, let's just say, overweight. And it's true. You are. Y'all know who you are. You would wish for a slower, uh, not slower, a faster one. Okay. You wished you had my metabolism. Well, guess what? I wish I had yours. (laughs) Okay. The grass is always greener. So you you deal with what you got. If you know you're overweight, and you have a slow metabolism, then it's it's a personal sacrifice, absolutely, to say, all right, I guess I'm not going to eat as much as I normally do. For me, it's a sacrifice to think, okay, I need to go spend more money on food that I kind of don't want because I'm not hungry, yet I have to shove it down my throat. And that's 
painful in a way, just like it's painful for you to be like, wow, I'm really hungry. I wish I could eat. When you are overstuffing yourself, you can definitely be pushing the limits of puking, and then you've just lost everything you tried to eat. It's not enjoyable either. Neither one is enjoyable. So, you know, lucky for the, uh, the uh, what are they called? Mesomorphs. Endomorphs are the overweight people. Big-boned people. Mesomorphs are right in the middle. And ectomorphs, like myself, are skinny, small frames, not big-boned. <laughs> There's a whole variety. So the mesomorphs, I think, are in the sweet spot. They have an average metabolism, and they can eat whatever they want, generally. Be able to work out, maintain a healthy body weight, because when you're overweight, that ain't healthy. When you're underweight, like myself, that ain't healthy either. But I know it. I'm trying to do something. I'm trying to kind of put a schedule together and think, all right, well, what can I do to get to a normal weight? It takes effort, and it takes money. So, not easy. Not that easy. But, now on the other side, another movie (laughs) that I watched. Because that's why you come here. You come to the bonfire so we can talk about movies, music, and books. Fun stuff. Fun stuff. Coming up next. This is the bonfire. On demand on the Blaze Radio Network. The progressive movement is full of lies. Why do Americans keep falling for the deception? In his new book, Liars, Glenn Beck reveals the simple answer, fear. At our most basic level, we're all afraid of something. And progressives exploit this by offering us solutions to our fears. Solutions based on lies and an unrelenting hunger for power and control. Understanding the roots of these lies is key to helping us stop the disease of progressivism. Liars by Glenn Beck. On sale now at glennbeck.com slash liars. The Blaze Radio Network On Demand. The Bonfire. Here's your host, Andrew Herzog. All right, another quick little bonfire review of a movie that I thoroughly enjoyed when I was younger. And as I'm browsing my modest, I use that word liberally, modest little DVD library, I came across another one, and I thought, that sounds really good. I'm going to pop that in and enjoy it. October Sky. Uh, When did that come out? Let me look that up real quick. October Sky with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, back when he was about five years old. Uh, No, he looked like he was five years old. Oh, I just typed in October. That doesn't tell me anything. There it is, October Sky. 1999. Wow. Look at that. It got a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. All right. Sounds about right. That's good. It's good because it was a good movie. Looks like it's an hour 50, so it's also a well, it's a respectable uh, movie length. You know, It's like the hour and a half to two hour window. That's the sweet spot. Movies that are an hour, those are really old, old movies. You know, Bud Abbott and Lou Costello, those kinds of movies were like an hour, hour 15 sometimes. The sweet spot, I think, is hour and a half to two hours. That's the good stuff. But Jake Gyllenhaal, obviously not, I mean, obviously... Not just a great actor in the movie, but the message itself. I couldn't help but sit there now as an older individual, sitting there and feeling inspired. Here they were, 1953, I believe, or 57, one of those. After World War II, the, one of the heights where it's really starting to pick up in the uh, Civil, uh, Civil War. Oof, man, I'm tired. In the Cold War with the Soviet Union. Sputnik just released stuff into outer space, and the Americans feel like they're falling behind. They start thinking, what are we going to do? You hear this uh, kid in West Virginia 
Homer Hickam. Uh, definitely a nobody. Just minding his business, being a normal teenager. Looks up and sees Sputnik and goes, wow. I don't know what it was, but something just hit me. I think I want to go into outer space. He got absolutely wholeheartedly inspired in that moment, and that's fantastic. And in case you hear any music in the background, that's because there's something happening here at the studios. Little little caveat there. Because I hear it. I don't know if y'all can, but <laughs> there's a party going on here at the studios. I'm not sure what, but anywho, that's funny. He uh, He looks up, and he thinks, I want to do this. Because his town, Colwood, is a mining town. That is all they do. There's the school, a couple restaurants, I'm sure, and just the families who mine the coal. And his dad is the uh, the foreman, I guess you could say, of the entire mine. And he's, he's a big dog. He's important. And that is why he's kept that community going for years. Well, he dares to do something different and think, I can't. I can't. I'm just a teenager, for God's sake, but I know I'm not meant to be in the mine. That can't be my future. That, I don't know what that is. Something that's just providential, practically. Where he's minding his business, never really thinks about his future, what he wants to do, maybe kind of assumes, eh, it's probably going to be the mine, whatever. And then he looks up, gets inspired, and just says, wow, I don't know what just came over me, but I am going whole hog. This is my life. I will dedicate my life to this. And he did. It's fantastic. And he gets his buddies, who are all kind of ambivalent. They're kind of like, well, I don't know. What are we doing? And he he eventually convinces them and says, look, we can do this. Come on. I need y'all's help. And let's, oh, hey, there's a, these are a, a science fair. We need to jump into that and see if we can win. Because if we win, we can get educations. We can get the hell out of this town and make something of ourselves. I liked how Homer Hicken was saying, I need to do something with my life. It's not enough for me to just shovel coal. It may have been for everybody else. It may be for some of these other students I'm in class with, but not for me. I can't. I'm way too inspired and motivated to do that. I need to push. And push he did. Apparently he wasn't a very good student, at least in math. And he's like, no, I'll learn the math. Hell, (laughs) I'll do it. When you're motivated, you'll learn anything. You can put your mind to it. You can accomplish anything. Back to the future reference right there. So, yeah, I enjoyed the movie. It was emotional, inspiring, made me think about my life, thinking, all right, what am I doing? I'm in my 20s, and this happens to every human being, I'm sure. They think, hmm, why am I alive? What am I doing here? What is my purpose? What am I good at? That's good. You want those feelings to come up because then you get inspired and think, okay, well, what can I do? Then you really start doing some soul searching and figuring out your place in the world. Everybody wants a place in the world. They certainly do. You could be the agoraphobic hermit, but that's a place in the world. (laughs) There's a role for you to play. Everybody's got something to do. That's just the truth. You were here for a reason. Homer found his when he was a teenager, and it just blew it away. And, well, not blew it away. He uh, plowed ahead, is what I meant to say, and became very successful at it. So it was great to see the teacher say, you know, I know you. Here, here's a book I ordered for you. And the principal coming in and saying, we uh, we teach them. We don't give them false hopes. Okay. I can I can understand that precaution of, like, look, don't inflate their egos and think that they can just change the world because most of the time 99% of the time the kids aren't they're just going to be your average Joe well yeah if you don't phrase it like that you don't say hey Homer I just wanted to tell you that you're going to change the world my god you're going to be the one of the most famous people that ever existed that is giving people false hope because it's ridiculous that is completely you know overblown to say Homer hey here's a book go learn it 
let's see how interested you are in rocket science. It seems like you're interested, so I did you a little favor. Here's a book. Go check it out. You should enter that science fair. She didn't say you should apply to Harvard right now. She said, no. She did baby steps. She said, look, here's a book. All right, tackle it. All right, hey, now that reminds me. You should try the science fair. Take a stab at it. Let's see what can happen. And then when they did, they're like, all right, hey, have fun. Good luck. We'll see you when you come back. Oh, you won. Hey, good for you. Now you can go to college. Hey, cool. Well, now when you're there, focus on your studies, and maybe you can make it one day. That's the way to do it. That ain't false hope. <laughs> That's called having a plan. That's called one step at a time, one day at a time. So, I don't know. I start watching movies now, and I'm kind of nitpicking the dialogue and some of the themes. I like the theme of the dad um, throughout the movie, certainly telling him, Homer, you're wasting your time. Knock it off. Quit playing around with these stupid things. Um, That would be pretty devastating, really, to any child to have their parent shoot them down like that. So Homer certainly had lots of um, kind of depressing episodes, thinking, ugh, this sucks. Why am I living with dad? (laughs) He's a terrible person. But he would still come around. He would, you know, shrug it off. The next day, he'd still be like, hey, Dad, um, I just thought I'd ask. Do you, is there any extra concrete? You know, if he really took it personally, he'd be like, Dad, I'm never talking to you again. Screw you. No. He might, be, he might walk off in a huff in the middle of dinner. But then the next day, he'll be like, hey, Dad, I just, wanted to, I just thought I'd ask. Is there any concrete? Can I, can I have anything? The dad also could have just been bug off boy and, like, ditched the family and run off. But no, he's like, I got work to do. I'm here to take care of the mine. I have to take care of my family and my wife. He was very raw. He was a jackass sometimes, but you you knew, come on, he's a dad that does care for his family. He doesn't like to dick around. <laughs> he's very serious. So, okay, some people are like that. And he just had a really hard time thinking, Homer, wh- how is this going to do anything? How are you going to make a life with this? A very respectable question, okay? For any child that says, Dad, I just want to make baskets for the rest of my life. You should be like, what the hell are you talking about? How are you going to make a living off of that? I don't care if that's your freaking dream. Give me a plan on how you think you're going to support a family one day, let alone yourself one day doing that crap. What do You, you got to think these things through, boy. Absolutely. Absolutely. So eventually when Homer realized, okay, it's not just a hobby, even though I really enjoy this, I'm shooting for the... the, the uh, State Fair? No, it was the the National Fair in Indianapolis. He said, look, if I go there, I win it, we get scholarships. That is a big change because that means now I can go to college where I get an education and become someone. Someone respectable. He wasn't trying to change the world necessarily, but just getting a college education back then was huge. With that, you can make a living. So when his dad eventually kind of saw, okay, I guess... uh, Maybe something will work out. I can kind of see it now, I guess. He does come around. And when Homer comes back with the medal and says, Dad, (laughs) um, Werner von Braun was not my hero. I mean, I respect what he's doing, and I like the work, and I think it's important, but shoot, he ain't my hero. And the dad, you just just know he was in his heart thinking, Oh, my God, I've been really hard on my boy. He thinks I'm his hero. And that's beautiful. It's beautiful for Homer to still love his dad through all the hardships that his dad gave him, just verbally. That's all it was, saying like, Homer, you're a, you're a damn fool for playing with this stuff. That's just verbal. Okay. He didn't, I don't think he beat the child. At least he didn't do it in the movie. I hope he didn't do it in real life. You know, that's a whole other level. But, you know, verbal abuse can be emotionally draining, thinking like, wow, I, I must be trash if my dad thinks so. So he, Homer had to deal with all that, and he did. Kept plowing ahead, 
through all the adversity, things that were stolen, things that were left out in the rain from his dad throwing it out, and you think, all right, he kept going. He kept going. Good for you. And good for you and your dad to finally kind of eventually come around and say, you know what, no, <laughs> dad, you're my hero. Come on. All right, I'll see you later. He just kind of spits it out. The dad kind of tears up and kind of oof, realizes what he's done. He's like, all right, I'm, I'm going to his you know, rocket launch today. I've never been to one. I've clearly you know, given the perception that I love his brother more than him, and that ain't right. Sometimes guys, even, even women, mostly guys, are just very oblivious like that. They just think, wow, you know what? Now that you mention it, I guess it does look like I love this person more than you because you make an excellent point. Ne- it never even crossed my mind. I'm sorry. That actually happens, okay? It's called communication. There's nothing wrong with just saying, look, uh, I'm kind of noticing a little something-something here. Is, uh, is there anything going on? Am I completely off base here? Because if I am, okay. I just, I needed to ask. I'm not going to make an assumption. So when he finally just said, Dad, you're my hero. Boom. Walked away. <laughs> that probably resolved a lot that the dad was like, wow, okay, he's a, he's a mature boy. He's getting his crap done, and good for him. He's a man. I like him. Or uh, I like him. I love him, and I respect him. Shows up to his rocket launch, pushes the button, very proud, proud moment. Hallelujah. Good stuff. And the fact that it's all based on a true story, you love those kinds of movies, you know, ones that, hell, if they're even, like, loosely based on a story of a true story, you know, you just think, oh, okay. It makes you feel better. It makes you feel like, wow, this is real sweet. I like it. This actually happened. That's inspiring. This makes me... It's, a, it's much better than a fictional story. Absolutely. So, another Bonfire recommended movie, in case you haven't seen it. Yes, it's from 1999, but, you know, not everybody has seen it. Honestly. So go check it out. Feeling inspired? Kind of wondering what the hell you're doing with your life? Like, everybody is? I think that's a true statement. Then, yeah, get a little inspiration from Homer. Someone who just kept plugging along. Kept doing it. He found what the hell he was interested in and just kept plugging along and said, I... Love this learning. He would stay up late at night, opening the book, doing the freaking math, and there you go. That's motivation. Find it what it is that you're just head over heels for. Um, that's not necessarily going to be your career, because like the dad mentioned, and it's absolutely true, you need to be able to make a living. If the two can coincide, you've hit the sweet spot. If not, then make it your hobby. You know, Mike Rowe has said this before, and I've played that here on the show. He says, look, just because it's your passion, that doesn't mean you're good at it. You may be passionate about playing guitar, but when you play to an audience, they think you suck. Well, then you suck. You're not, you can't make a living off of that. You're trying to play music for others. They don't like it. No dice. Not going to happen. But you got to start somewhere. So it's all about that balance. All about the bonfire balance. So final block coming up next. The D block. This is the bonfire. On the Blaze Radio Network. Jay Severin. Obama showed you stupid morons who voted for him. And if you voted for him, you are a stupid moron. I'm sorry. We can all make mistakes. We can all make apologies. If you didn't see Obama coming, you should never have had the vote. Jay Severin. Weekdays, 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern. On the Blaze Radio Network. This is The Bonfire. On demand. On the Blaze Radio Network. Now, this is a fun one I think everybody can identify with. Uh, Pet peeves. (laughs) Mine is when I'm watching a freaking movie and you keep talking to me. You're asking me questions. Like, who's this guy? I'm like, shut up! 
I'm trying to listen. I'm trying to enjoy the movie. It's like someone who's wearing headphones, and you're, you're trying to talk to them. You're like, can you not see these on my head? You know I'm listening to something. Therefore, I ain't listening to you. So unless it's an emergency, don't be trying to stand in front of me and get my attention and be like, hey, did you see this latest video? No, don't bother me about it yet. Wait until the headphones are off. If I see someone who's just buried in a book, I know, okay, they're obviously enjoying the book. I'll leave them alone. I don't have to talk to them right now. If I see headphones, I'm like, okay, they're busy. Or they're giving a subtle, not so subtle, signal, don't talk to me. That's fine. You know? So when I'm in the middle of a movie, I like to be absorbed in my movie. Um, Sometimes it takes two and a half hours if the movie's two and a half hours long, but that's what I enjoy. I enjoy tuning out the world for however long the movie is and saying, all right, this is my reality now. I'm going to put aside my troubles, my work, my stress, and I'm just going to enjoy this for the next two hours. Then when the movie's over, then you come back right to reality and say, all right, uh, time to get back to work, or I need to go to bed, I have to do all these other X, Y, Z. Okay. A little bit of escapism. So that's one of my pet peeves is I'm sitting there in a movie. Man, I, I'm it, the worst part is when it's a movie I have not seen. And it should be common sense that I haven't seen it, especially if it's in the theater. And people are like, hey, so what's going on? I'm like, I don't know! This is the first time I'm seeing it! Why would I know? I'm not the damn director. <laughs> I don't have the answers. And nine times out of ten, when they say, like, hey, so who's this guy? Two seconds later, they go, well, my name is Bob Billingham. And you're like, well, there you go. Shut up and wait two more seconds. And then the character himself will answer the question for you. Don't talk to me. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's, I mean, I love everybody. <laughs> the roommates, the family members, and just the people who say anything during a movie. Um, depending on who you are, I will either ignore you or I suck it up and say, okay, whatever. They don't know any better. They don't know this is one of my pet peeves. And I calmly you know, resolve the issue. Sometimes it really is a confusing thing, and I'll just respond back saying, oh, I don't know, actually, I missed it. Um, I'm very confused, too, just like you. Other times, I just ignore. I'm like, nope, I'm not answering. Because if I, if I answer once, you're going to start to develop a habit. The habit of thinking, hey, I can ask you to anything. No, you can't. Not in the middle of a movie or a TV show. Just stop. <laughs> and if you don't have an answer, it's not the end of the world for you to know either. You know, the movie could end, and you'd say, hey, so... uh." What happened earlier in the movie? You know, how did it resolve itself? I'd say, I'm not, I don't, unless I really want to rehash what I just saw again. And you were sitting right there with me. You just weren't paying attention most of the time. I'm not going to rehash it. Sometimes someone who shall remain nameless will walk out of the room and then come back and be like, hey, so what happened? I'm like, no, I am not telling you. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. No, not doing it. Sorry. But this is all, you know, a part of communication. You gotta let people know, hey, just so you know, this is just who I am. This is what irritates me. For some people, it's uh, touching them a lot. Just giving them a pat on the back or a, um, you know, a friendly slap on the shoulder. You know, just being a guy like that. Sometimes that'll irritate the other guy. And he'll be like, dude, stop touching me. Quit hitting me. And you're like, oh, sorry. I, I thought I was being friendly, but I, you don't like it. Okay, then now I know. Now I know not to do that with you. Um, for... Girls, you know, whatever. You could be doing something that you're, like, right in her face talking to her, and you're like, hey, well, don't girls like to talk and uh, have conversation? You're like, well, not if your face is two inches from my mouth, okay? You don't need to talk down my throat. Give me some personal space here. Back off. Oh, okay, sorry, I didn't know. It's communication. (laughs) The human race. Everybody's different. Everybody's weird in their own way. 
I'm weird when I'm watching a movie. Don't talk to me. When I'm watching a TV show, don't talk to me. If I'm reading a book, don't talk to me. Unless you have something to say like, Andrew, the house is on fire. Okay. Then you're perfectly within your rights to interrupt what I'm doing. But if it's something to just say, hey, what just happened? No! Not explaining. Look it up. (laughs) You can look it up online, or if I have the patience later, I will explain it to you after the fact. But not in the moment. Now, I know where this comes from. Because when I was a little kid, I did it to my dad all the time. (laughs) Just imagine what it was. I can't imagine. So, Dad, thank you for your patience when we were watching, you know, Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis movies. And I'd be saying, like, hey, what just happened? What what did he say? I didn't hear. And you're just like, okay, what? Let me pause the movie. What is your question? (laughs) What? (laughs) I understand. I understand now. So, uh, okay. Seems like maybe it runs in the family. My kids are going to do that to me one day. Guaranteed. Just watch. Just watch, because that's karma. That's how it works. I did it to my dad. Now I learned my lesson. My kids are going to do it to me. (sighs) Loads of patience are going to be needed in the future. But it'll be good. It'll all work out. It'll work out because Bonfire is the show to come to. We're on the interwebs, as the kids are calling it nowadays. Uh, Bonfirethoughts.com for all of our writers and our musings. Then Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Audiences are still growing, and I'm totally upfront about it. Slow and steady. We ain't uh, we ain't breaking the bank here, and we're not exactly the NFL reaching millions of households. Just, it, we're just not, <laughs> and that's fine. I want the legitimate people out there who think, you know what? Yes, Andrew is right. I am sick of politics. There's a time and a place for it, but right now, I'm going to take a little break and read this article from Bonfire, or listen to this podcast from Bonfire, or watch this quick little video from Bonfire. I want people to be a part of that, for lack of a better term, community, who all agree with that idea. Yes, we all have our opinions. We can all find plenty of ways to divide ourselves and be really hateful about it. Um, I can divide myself amongst uh, people who have different opinions about a movie, thinking like, oh, I think October Sky is a great movie, and then someone else could say, well, I think it was terrible because X, Y, Z. That's fine. Because that's not do or die. It's just a movie. It's fine. I kind of like having those conversations saying, hey, well, explain to me what's, what's on your mind that you didn't like it. I'm actually really interested in hearing. I'm cool, calm, and collected. So there you go. Let's all find a way in our own personal lives and through Bonfire to you know, enjoy the world around us while we still have it. Because we don't live forever. You're going to die one day. And on that positive note... <laughs> Jeez. On that positive note, Andrew Herzog, out. This is The Bonfire, on demand, on the Blaze Radio Network.